Well, good morning, church. We've been studying uh, the Gospel of John chapter 6 for several weeks now. And if you remember, the beginning of John 6 starts with Jesus' miraculous feeding of the 5,000 by the multiplying of the fish and the loaves. And if you remember, after performing this miracle, Jesus and his disciples, they head over to Capernaum. And the crowd that Jesus fed in that feast, they go looking for him because, well, they're hungry again, right? And so they go and find Jesus the next day, and Jesus knows that they're just looking for him because they want their bellies filled again. But Jesus looks at the crowd, and he offers them something far better. He offers them food that will endure into eternal life. And Jesus describes saying, he says, I am the bread of life given for the sake of the world. And so what follows in this entire passage in John chapter 6, 22 through 59, is Jesus describing how he himself is the bread of life and what that means for them. Now, in our passage that we'll be studying specifically today, verses 47 through 59, this is kind of like the crescendo of the passage. It's like the finale. It's where Jesus really wants to hammer his point home that he's been telling uh, this crowd for all these verses. And he can sum- I can summarize the passage in just two points. So if you take notes, here, here are the two points that we'll be looking at for our sermon today, okay? The first is this, eat and live. And the second point is this, don't eat and die. Eat and live, don't eat and die. Those are the two points that we'll be looking at today in John chapter 6, verses 47 through 59. So let's dive now right into the text where we'll look at our first point, eat and live. Now in John chapter 6, verses 22 through 59, this entire discourse, Jesus says eight different times, eight different times, the one who eats the bread of life will live. He says that statement or some variation of that statement eight different times. We see it in verses uh, 35, verse 40, 47, verse 50, 51, 54, 57, and 58. Okay, eight different times. And in our passage specifically that, that Deacon J.R. read today, six times Jesus repeats himself. He is getting this point home very clearly. When you repeat yourself once or twice, you know something's important. Jesus did it eight times, okay? This is something that we need to tune in and understand of crucial importance. And so Jesus wanted to make the point very clear. If you eat the bread of life, then you will live. The one who eats the bread of life will live. And so now we're going to unpack that statement. We're going to unpack what Jesus means by that. We're going to be taking a look at what it means to eat the bread of life. And then we're going to be taking a look at what it means when Jesus says, you will live. Okay? So first, let's take a look at what does it mean to eat the bread of life. Let's take a look at verse 54, where I think we're going to start to see our answer. Okay? Verse 54 in John chapter 6, all eyes in the Bible. Jesus says this, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's stop right there. So to kind of set the context to understand how the Jews would have heard this and how they would have interpreted this, boy, they would have been pretty mortified by what Jesus said, right? I mean, not only is he saying to eat his flesh, right, but to drink his blood, 
If you remember, the Jews were forbidden from drinking the blood uh, or eating food that still contained the blood of animals. And so for them, this would have been an absolutely abhorrent idea. So much so that they start really bickering and arguing amongst themselves, as we see in verse 51. In verse 51, the Jews that were grumbling are now disputing amongst themselves. They're totally flabbergasted by what Jesus is saying to the point which they're like, how can this man offer his flesh to eat, right? They're just completely confused, all right? And so let's be honest, we're confused. Jesus, what do you mean by saying you can eat his flesh and drink his blood, right? Well, I'm going to tell you two things of what it's not. I'm going to hold you in suspense. And then I'm going to give you what I think Jesus is referring to when he says to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. So two things that Jesus is not saying, okay? Jesus was not promoting cannibalism. Never thought I'd say that in a sermon, but there you go. Jesus was not promoting cannibalism, right? He was not actually endorsing eating and drinking his flesh and his blood, right? And was not meant to be taken literally. Rather, Jesus is speaking very metaphorically, right? And we're going to see what he, what he means metaphorically in just a moment. So he's not promoting cannibalism. Second thing is that he's not referring to uh, uh, communion, He's not referring to the bread and the cup that we partake during communion. Now, some traditions believe that Christ's physical presence, his literal presence is in the bread and is in the wine, right? And that so when you actually partake of communion, they believe that you are physically eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood, okay? And they'll point to this passage as one of the reasons, as one of the, the uh, uh, passages that, to support that kind of thinking, that kind of theology, well, I think that's wrong for two reasons. You see, it's like a Russian nested doll of all these things in here, right? But there's two reasons why I don't think Jesus is talking about that, uh, uh, referring to communion. And the first is this, is that it is very clear that Jesus is talking metaphorically. And he actually explains the meaning of his metaphor in this passage. We're going to get to what Jesus means when he says to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He says explicitly what that means. And it has nothing to do with bread, and it has nothing to do with wine. And so what Jesus is referring to here does not have to do uh, uh, with, with uh, communion, because Jesus has a deeper and better meaning when he says to eat his flesh and drink his blood. The second reason why I say this has nothing to do with communion is because the text lets us know that. If we look at verse 54 again, it says, Whoever feeds on my flesh... And drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, if, if you believe that, that this passage is referring to communion, physically partaking of the bread and drinking of the wine, then you would also have to say that it is necessary to partake of communion in order to have eternal life. That meaning, in order to have eternal life, it's believing in Jesus and and eating the flesh of the Son of Man and drinking his blood. That means eating communion, right? And so I don't believe that's true because that's not what we believe, right? We believe instead that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is not Jesus plus eating communion yields salvation. No, it is Jesus, period, that's salvation. And so and so for those two reasons, I do not believe that this passage is pointing to or referring to communion, okay? So I've held you in suspense. What does it mean? What is Jesus referring to when he says 
to feed on his flesh and to drink his blood? Well, I think in order to answer that, we need to look back at John chapter 6, verse 40. So all eyes back in the Bible, let's take a look at John chapter 6, verse 40. Jesus says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, does that sound familiar? It should, because verse 54 and verse 40 are almost identical. Take a look at this slide. This is going to help us to understand this a little better, right? The structure of verses 54 and 40 are almost identical, right? Jesus is essentially saying, the person who does this and that has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's a general structure. The only thing that's different between verses 54 and 40 is what Jesus says is the this, and what Jesus says is the that, right? But the meaning of both verses is the same thing. It's how one has eternal life. And so if both verses 54 and 40 mean the same thing, then the this in verse 54 and the this in verse 40 must mean the same thing. And the this, and the, excuse me, the that in verse 54 and the that in verse 40 must mean the same thing. So Josh, if you go to the next slide, so what we can see here is that with verses 54 and 40, we see that when Jesus says to feed on his flesh, he's talking about those who look on the Son. And those who drink his blood are the ones that believe in him. And so to eat the flesh of the Son of Man and to drink his blood is to look to him and to believe in him. Verses 54 is the metaphor. Verse 40 is the explanation of the metaphor. Jesus was setting the groundwork at the beginning of the conversation of what he was going to mean, and then he laid down the groundwork for the metaphor that he was going to use, as we see in verse 54. So to eat the flesh of the Son of Man, to drink his blood, is to look to him and to believe in him. So now you might be saying, all right, that makes sense, maybe, but what does that mean? What does it mean? How, how do I actually look to Jesus and believe in him? Well, first off, I think it's important to understand that looking on Jesus, looking to Jesus and, and believing in him are very much intertwined. You can't really look to Jesus without believing in him and you can't really believe in Jesus without looking to him. These things are just inseparably connected. So to look to the Son is to look to Him for, as your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, if we remember back, I'm going to ask you to go a few pages to the back in John chapter 3, right? We're going to look at John chapter 3, verse 14, and I think that's going to help us even more to understand what Jesus is saying here. In John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and in the end of his discussion with Nicodemus, he says this. This is John chapter 3, verse 14. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, if you remember, Jesus is referring to a time when the Israelites had, had been delivered out of slavery in Egypt. They're wandering the wilderness. And, and, and at this point, they start grumbling for the millionth time, right? But they start grumbling and, and God sends these fiery serpents among them that actually strike them and, and, and some of the Israelites die. 
Now, the Israelites see the, the error in their ways. They come to Moses, and they ask Moses to pray and intercede for them. And, and Moses prays to God, but God does not take away the serpents. He instead, he tells Moses to fashion a snake, put it on a pole, and any time that any of the Israelites got bit by the snake, they would look upon, they were to look upon the snake and they would be healed, they would be healed from the strike of that serpent. Now, if we take a look again at John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so that the Israelites can look to the snake and be healed from, their, from the strike, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? So that those who believe in him, those who look to the Son upon the cross, may have eternal life. In the same way that the Israelites looked to the snake on that that pole, right? Look to that serpent on the pole to be healed from their fatal sting from the serpent. So too, we must look upon the Son of Man on the cross so that we can be healed from the fatal sting of sin. To look on the Son is to look to Him as your Savior and to believe that He is the one who died to forget to to save you from your sins. By truly looking to the Son for your salvation, you must believe in Him. You must believe with your whole life on the fact that the only way to live is to, is to receive Him. It is placing all of your trust, it is putting all your chips, all of your confidence in Jesus as the only way to life. To eat his flesh, brothers and sisters, to drink his blood is to behold and believe in Christ as your Savior. Okay, so we've been unpacking this phrase that Jesus has repeated himself eight different times. And he says, uh, uh, the person who eats the bread of life will live, right? So we've been unpacking that phrase. And we now look, we first looked at what it means to eat the bread of life. And now we're going to take a look at the results, the consequences, what happens when you eat the bread of life. And Jesus most of the time summarizes it saying, you will live. But there's a lot of nuances, there's a lot of facets to that. And I see three results that Jesus gives us here in this passage in John chapter 6 as to what happens when we truly partake of and eat the bread of life. The first is probably the most obvious since Jesus says it explicitly several times, but it's that those who eat the bread of life will have eternal life. That those who look to the Son and believe in Him will have life everlasting. We see this clearly in verses uh, 40, 47, 51, 54, and 58. Five times Jesus says that those who eat the bread of life will live. Now, it's clear that Jesus is not referring to uh, eternal physical life, right? Because one day, if Jesus doesn't come, we are all going to physically die. So what Jesus is referring to is that those who eat the bread of life will be made spiritually alive. That those who look to the Son will be made spiritually alive, they will be saved, and they will enjoy eternal life. Now, I want to draw your attention to something that is really comforting, really important, and is likely overlooked. If we take a look again at verse 54 
All eyes back in the Bible. John chapter 6, verse 54. Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, did you catch that? Whoever feeds on my flesh and eats my blood, uh, drinks my blood has eternal life. Has, as in present tense, as in currently. If you have eaten the bread of life, then you are currently enjoying eternal life. Your status as redeemed, adopted child of God does not start when you enter the pearly gates. No, it starts the moment that Jesus took grip of your heart and raised your spiritually dead heart to life. You are made right with God and you are no longer have the status of condemned sinner before him. Right now, if you've eaten the bread of life, then you enjoy a life-giving, gospel-centered, spirit-infused relationship with the God of the universe right this very moment. If you have already eaten the bread of life, then brothers and sisters, right now, you are enjoying eternal life. Amen, Amen is right. That was too good. I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, couldn't not share that with you. All right, so the first result, as I said, is, is that uh, uh, those who um, eat the bread of life will have eternal life. And the second result is found in verse 56. So let's take a look now at verse 56 together. Jesus says this, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So the second thing, the second result of uh, of eating the bread of life is that we abide or remain in Christ and Christ abides or remains in us. Now this, once again, is truly amazing. Christ, Christ lives in you, right? And you are in Christ. The security that we have from being in him, the protection, the the comfort, the, the hope that we have of being in Christ is ours presently for those who have eaten the bread of life. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. This is a present reality for those who have eaten and partaken Jesus, the bread of life. Now, what exactly does it mean to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ, and for him to remain or abide in us? Well, we're going to cover that in depth in John chapter 15 when we get there in two years. But for the meantime, (laughs) for the meantime, I'll give you a short sneak peek, a short sneak peek of what it means to abide in Christ and for Christ to abide in us, okay? So abiding in Christ means that we are actively uh, uh, trusting, believing, receiving, uh, cherishing, and resting in Christ, okay? So abiding in Christ means we're actively, continually uh, trusting, believing, receiving, cherishing, and resting in Christ, You abide in Christ when you read and study the Bible, when you pray, when you worship, when you set your mind on things above and not things that can consume you here in this world, when you delight in the glory of God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, when you truly rest in Christ, when you don't allow the world to dictate your joy, when you yoke with Jesus because his burden is easy and his yoke is light and you find rest 
for your soul in him. That's what it means, brothers and sisters, to abide in Christ. And for Christ to abide in you means that his life-transforming power remains in you. You're able to bear fruit for the kingdom because Christ is in you. You're able to keep in step with the Spirit and walk in ways that are pleasing to God's sight because Christ is in you. You're able to, do, to, to love others sacrificially and to put others' needs above your own because Christ is in you. This concept of, of, of abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us is characterized by a relationship, one in which we trust and believe and receive and cherish and rest in Christ, and Christ uh, 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 works in and through us for his glory. This mutual abiding results when we eat the bread of life. And so, as I said, there's three results that happen when we eat the bread of life. The first was that we have eternal life now. The second is that we abide in Christ and Christ remains in us now. And now the last one is found in verse 35. So let's take a look at verse 35 together. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. When we partake of Jesus, the bread of life, then we are fully and completely satisfied. Before we trust in Christ, we had spiritual cravings. We had spiritual longings that we wanted to be satisfied. We had a spiritual hunger to know the purpose of our life. We had a spiritual thirst to be accepted and loved. We longed so desperately for hope and truth. And we tried to fill these things with things of the world. We try to satiate these cravings by shoving things into the world, into this vacuum, into this hole of our heart, whether it was relationships or our career, money, material possessions, sex, pornography, power, influence, the approval of other peoples, whatever it might be. The list could go on and on. But the problem is, is that none of these things ever, ever fully satisfied us, did they? They may be temporarily satiated our cravings. But after some time, we craved more. And not only more, the, the craving was, was stronger. We needed more money, more material possessions, more sex, more approval in order to fill the void, the gaping void in our hearts. But just one taste of the bread of life, one taste, and you are completely and totally satisfied forever. The bread of life that Jesus offers himself is the one thing that will fill the vacuum, fill the void, completely satisfy us like nothing in this world could do. Christ 
being in Christ is the only one that could fully satisfy our deep cravings. For when we are in Christ, we have purpose, namely that we would love the Lord our God with all our soul, all our strength, all our mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. that we would truly go to glorify God and enjoy him forever. When we are in Christ, we are loved and accepted by the God, the creator of the universe, the creator of the biggest galaxy to the smallest subatomic particle is the God that loves you with a love that will never leave you nor forsake you, a love that he promises will never be separated from you. When we are in Christ, we have a living hope that our salvation is secure in him, that we are saved by the blood of the lamb, that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and we have eternal life all of which is secure, secure in Christ. This, brothers and sisters, is the deepest sense of joy and satisfaction. When we eat the bread of life, when we believe in Jesus, when we behold him, then we will experience a satisfaction that this world could never offer us. Our souls are most deeply satisfied in him. And so point number one is summarized very simply with three words. Eat and live. Eat the bread of life and live. Eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Drink his blood. Behold and believe in Christ and you will live that's what point one is. Now, point two is a lot shorter, but significantly more sobering. Point two is this. Don't eat and die. Don't eat and die. I'll let the text do the talking for this one. Verse 53 so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, as an aside, everything that Jesus said was true. But when he says truly, truly, that means listen up. This is really important. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. The literal translation maybe brings this out a little clearer. It says, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, then you will have no life in you. So what does Jesus mean when he says, you have no life? Well, I think it means that you will remain spiritually dead. That you will remain spiritually dead. If you do not eat the bread of life, then you will not be made spiritually alive. If you do not look to the Son of Man and believe in Him, you will not have eternal life in heaven. You will remain spiritually dead and separated from the Father. You will not have the joy of abiding in Christ, in Christ remaining in you. The emptiness in your heart will never be filled. You will never be satisfied. 
for all of eternity. Your spiritual hunger will never be satiated and your spiritual thirst will never be quenched. If you don't eat the bread of life, then you will slowly starve to death on a diet, a steady diet of unsatisfying sin. Christ declares the sobering words, don't eat and die. Now today's message has been pretty straightforward. Eat and live, don't eat and die. What's important for us to all know is that there is no gray area between these two points. You either eat and live or you don't eat and die. You can't just nibble on Jesus and sort of have life. You either believe in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation or you don't. So what do we do in light of this text? If you've not eaten the bread of life, what's your response? I know, sadly, that there are some in this room who have not partaken of Jesus as the bread of life, who do not behold and believe in him. What do you do in light of this text? You could pretend that everything is okay, that Jesus didn't really mean what he said, that as long as you live a good life, as a good person, that everything should be all right. Or, if you're tired of eating the world's worthless bread that never satisfied, then you can pray right now and ask that God would draw you to him. Pray that God would raise your spiritually dead heart to life. Pray that God would transform your heart so that you can finally and truly behold Christ upon the cross who died to forgive your sins. Pray that God would open your heart so that you can truly believe that Christ rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Pray that the Father would draw you to behold and believe in Jesus, that God would draw you to eat the bread of life and live. And if today you truly have eaten the bread of life, then brothers and sisters, I want to tell you to rejoice, to rejoice, to rejoice knowing that currently, right now, you are enjoying eternal life, to rejoice in knowing that right now you abide in Christ and Christ remains in you, to rejoice that all of your longings and cravings are satisfied in him, that your truest joy and security is found in Christ. Rejoice that you have a living hope 
that you have everlasting life in him that can never, ever, ever be taken away. Give glory and praise to God that he has drawn you to the feast of the lamb to behold and believe in Christ. Rejoice and give thanks that God has enabled you, has worked in your heart to raise your spiritually heart, your spiritually dead heart to life. Praise and give glory to God that he has changed you, transformed you, so that you can truly behold God, that you can truly believe in him. Praise God that he drew you to eat the bread of life and live. Brothers and sisters, eat the bread of life and live. Behold and believe in the Son in order to receive everlasting life and eternal satisfaction in Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ, who came down to die in order to save us. He is the bread of life that comes down from heaven. Not for our physical life, but for our spiritual life. God, help us to behold and believe in him. For those here this morning, for those here that we know that don't know you, parents, Siblings, children, friends. God, would you draw them to you? Would they come to behold and believe in you? Their God, their Savior, their friend, the bread of life who gives eternal life. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.